I bring greetings to all of you that are watching this telecast today from wherever you are watching it from. And I want you to know that from the pulpits of Destiny Ministries in the National Thika, Kenya, and you are tuned in, I just want to thank God that you took some time to look at this, to tune in and be part of this broadcast. Today, I want to address uh, the family altar, the family altar. The family altar is key, is key to the survival of any society or any church or any ministry or even the faith of a nation. It begins with the family. And today I want to kind of address this subject because truly what will keep the families together and from fights, internal fights and misunderstandings is how strong their altar is, how the strong the family altar is. I want us to begin as usual, with a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Jehovah God, I want to thank you for, the op for this opportunity. I just want to trust that you gave us today because you want to speak to us today. And you want to lead us and give us victory and reassure us. You are still Jehovah. You are the I am of old, new, and everlasting, and you change us not. You do not change. Circumstances and situations... Work situations, work situations have changed. Business situations have changed. But even faith or worship situations have changed. But you never, never, ever change. And therefore we can trust you and believe in you because you are the eternal God. Therefore as I speak to your children, the word of I pray that God you'll be glorified and you'll be exalted. And that you will use me to your glory and to your praise in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Let, let's just, let me just delve into the issue of the family. There are a lot of descriptions that the world wants to give us as to what a family is. And I will not get into that. But let's go to the traditional family where a father and a mother and their biological children are involved. Where a family lives together and they spend time in different stages together. Whether the father works outside home or the mother works outside home or one of them has gone for studies abroad, at the end of the day, the family will be together. And when the children are young, they begin the family together. And they stay Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday together. And school, until their children go to school and they can be kind of separated for eight hours from the parents, the kids stay at home. Until mommy goes to work, she is at home. And your daddy goes to work, they are at home. And as responsibilities increase, as school, as pursuit of knowledge comes to the family, then the family is separated and children go to school in the morning and parents have a breather. Parents equally jump into their private vehicles or public transport, and they report to work in a certain factory or industry, or they report to a certain office or organization, or they go to do their private business. What I'm trying to say is, the day begins well when the family is together. But by 8 a.m., you find that kids have gone to school and dads and moms have gone to their daily engagements. Home has become the safest place in the plan on planet earth home has been declared to be the place where you can be safe and that's the truth and that's very good 
But home has also become a place where strangers are meeting and confined together. Fathers have become strangers, and I know this looks like an accusation, but that's not my intent. But you find a father who leaves home at 5 a.m. now wakes up and stays in the house. You find a mother who goes to work by 7.30 when the kids leave for school is confined at home. We are in captivity in our own homes. And children that are picked up by school buses are at home. Therefore, you find the family that was together when they were kids were young. Now, the kids are in, the university, they are in colleges. They are in high school. They are teenagers. They are post-teenagers. They are, the kids are pre-teenagers. They are no longer the babies that you used to put, to put on a baby coat. And, you know, things are working okay because if you can just put them on a swing and you put an automatic switch just to swing them, then they put, you put them to sleep or they cool down. Today they have so many questions. They want to ask questions. They, they can't sit down. They are four-year-olds. They are 10-year-olds. They are 11-year-olds. They are 15-year-olds. They are dealing with biological changes. And uh, the, 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 the threat that they don't, they are cut off from their friends that they have acquired in schools. Dads and moms are equally not left out. So when all these people come together and they are confined in a family setup. Then the question begs, how do you put these people together? And these are either preteens, or they are teens, or they are post-teens, or they are college material, or college kids and girls and boys, or young men. And they are no longer those kids you used to tell them to keep quiet, or you used to tell them rudely to shut up, or you used to tell them, Keep or be silent, and they would be silent. You tell them, go and do your homework. They have finished their homeworks. They have done everything they can do. And you come to the living room, and the television is one. Daddy has his favorite program. Mommy has his favorite program. The kids have their own favorite. So the TV is one. You cannot have seven TVs in one house for seven kids so that every kid can watch their program. So this has created a scenario whereby People are done talking. People talk for a few minutes and they are no longer talking. Even in Christian homes, stress levels have gone so high because these people have become strangers over time. And they are not used to just being together, all of them crammed in a living room. And when you keep them in their bedrooms, you actually start, both, both, you start wondering as a parent... What is my son doing in the bedroom for five hours? What is my daughter doing alone? You, you realize there are a lot of worries and the levels of anxieties have gone up. And as a servant of God, I feel like I need to talk about this. Because if I don't point you to the importance of what I want to call the family altar, then I'll be failing as a minister. We have over the years created uh, a culture of the pastors nourishing us. Knowing that on Sunday we'll go to church and hear messages. We can go to YouTube and watch messages. We can go to Facebook Live and social media is awash with every kind of dickendary has gone to preach and bring the word that they claim is from the Lord. And some, some of them are genuine, others are, you never know always right. Some of them don't have even the facts right, but they are there. But you can't watch YouTube or you can be glued up on social media for 12 hours or 14 hours in a day. Therefore, to mitigate the situation, or try to really, we need to try to address that 
crisis. Allow me to call it a crisis. I want to introduce to you to the God of heaven who is not resident in a church. He is not confined into a church building. He is not confined into the cathedrals. He is not confined inside the four walls of the church building. That's why today I want to talk about the family altar. The family altar is that that time that is dedicated to God and to nourish your soul and your spirit and feed from the word of God, either through prayer or Bible study or even studying the, a book that is a Christian book, Christian material, or listening together to a message like this one as a family. That time you set apart from the activity, the daily norms and activities of every day is what I want to borrow this strong word statement or strong topic, which is wide, which is wide, but I will narrow it to becoming an altar. The time when the church in the family gathers together to nourish themselves and to feed their faith in God and to strengthen, to find strength in God. This is lacking in so many families because we are become dependent, if not, uh, we have become so dependent on men and women of God, and it's okay for that to be, but sometimes it has devastated consequences. Why? Your pastor is not speaking to you every day. The evangelist in the church is not visiting you every day. Visit, church visitations, I mean ministry visitations are limited. Therefore, where is who is growing the faith and strengthening the faith of those members of those families that are crammed in their homes. I want, you to, I want to bring scripture. I want to bring in scripture, the element of scripture, because this is the only thing that will remain when everything else fizzles out. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will remain forever. And this word is forever settled in heaven. I want to read a common text of scripture from Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Two verses. Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. I repeat. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. <laughs> Daily. Every morning. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Verse 13 concludes by saying, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Let's go back to verse 12. This is the text I'm going to use to talk about the family altar. Verse 12 says, a fire on the altar shall be kept burning. Today I said I'll talk about the family altar. The altar in the family. The Bible says, a fire on that family altar shall be kept burning. It should not be put out. The reason why I feel a very strong burden to talk about this is because 
we have to agree that we have become addicted to hearing pastors feed us and we drink from their messages and their words of encouragement, their prophetic utterances, which is very good. But now we have been sent back home. And the Bible says, in that home, your home and my home, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning, should be kept, shall be kept burning, and shall not be put out. And then it goes deeper there and saying, that's where I want to spend time. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. So who is the family priest? Who is the family priest? Because when they, the church pastors, the pastors across the nations, our pastors, our spiritual coverings did not assign a priest to come to every home to keep the fire burning for us every morning. We have not been assigned an evangelist for every estate or every region or every home, you know, every area. We don't have a pastor who runs around, you know, checking whether the fire has been sent. So who keeps the fire burning in your family? Who is this person? Who is the de designated priest? Who is this designated priest in your home, my brother, my sister? I know you have a pastor, you know his name. Those who come to this church don't need to be reminded my name. They know I'm their pastor and many others that we pastor together. But now who is the pastor when the church is being taken back home? When the church is gathering in the living room in your house? Who is the designated priest? <laughs> who shall burn wood on it every morning? I don't know whether this is a message or a challenge. I don't know whether it's a discussion or it's what. But whatever it will be, we will find out at the end of it all. Who is the designated priest? Do you have a, do you have a roster? Do you have a program that your six-year-old daughter will be doing Monday? Your nine-year-old son will be doing Tuesday? Your 15-year-old son will be doing Wednesday? Your 20-year-old daughter in college will be doing this. Daddy will be doing uh, Friday and mama will be doing Saturday. And auntie or cousin who lives with you will be doing Sunday. Do you have that arrangement? How many families today gather every morning to keep the fire of the Lord burning on the altar of the family? Usually... The fathers of every house are the priests of the home. They are the prophets of their, to their families. And they are in charge of the spiritual, they are in charge of the spiritual atmosphere. What if that dad is not born again and he doesn't even read the Bible or even doesn't go to church? 